0: Thanks for tuning in today. I'm Dr. Nick, the incrementalist. Join me as I seek out the small incremental changes being applied in other industries that we can learn from and that can be applied in healthcare. Can these changes bring immediate value, but also add up to the big improvements and revolution we need in healthcare? Come along with me to explore the possibilities. My innovative guests from around the globe have used small incremental improvements to achieve their moonshot. And today I'm delighted to be welcoming Punit Sony. He's the CEO of Suki. Punit, thanks for joining me today. It's a
1: pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: So, if you would, would you share a little bit of your background? It's uh, unusual in the healthcare setting, um, and certainly highly relevant to the discussion. So, tell us a little bit about your journey to this point in your career.
1: Sure, you know, now that I've done healthcare for the last few years, I think it's almost a little bit of uh, uh, you know humor involved in telling my background because it's li- really all over the place. Um, I'm an electrical engineer by training and, you know, I started my career in electronic design automation, so writing software for chip design, and then ended up actually going to uh, Wharton to get my business school, uh, business education, and then um, went over to venture capital, which uh, uh, was awful, and, uh, you know, I was bored out of my mind and decided I should not do it until I actually learned to build something. And so uh, at that point, then the options were either go to a startup or do Google. And uh, it was still relatively early days of the company, and I joined it in the search team, which is where you want to be if you really want to know the guts of Google, uh, as a product manager. And did search for a bit, uh, news, books, and then one thing led to the other, ended up actually running the Mobile Apps Group product management team. and so. Early versions of most things like Gmail, Docs, Chat, YouTube, Calendar came from my team. Um, Scarily enough, some of that stuff still looks the same. And then uh, worked in gaming. uh, When Google decided they wanted to work on uh, social initiatives, they asked me to come and run mobile social. Uh, While I was doing that, I I wanted to actually really start thinking about uh, dabbling in hardware. And that's when we acquired Motorola. And so I was asked to go run software for Motorola, which is probably the most fun job I've had in a long time. It was super fun to build uh, devices. And actually, some, the first device we built called Moto X was the first always on voice device in the world before Siri, Alexa and others uh, even showed up. And so did that and then... Uh, uh, then, because I had not done e-commerce, I guess, so I ended up actually becoming the chief product officer of Flipkart, which was India's largest e-commerce company. And so now the running joke is, you know, I've done electrical design. I've done apps. I've done search. I've done games. I've done mobile apps. I have done hardware. I've done e-commerce. It's probably only logical that I'm doing healthcare at this point. Uh, so that's that's a little bit of my background, as you said, unusual and all over the place. But the principles of, of engineering apply almost everywhere. So you can take it from there.
0: So I, I think, you know, good to understand all of that. And obviously, a, a breadth of sort of technical insights that you bring to the space. You ultimately went into healthcare, um, but specifically around the voice and uh, speech um uh, elements of this tell us a little bit about your steps through that and your experience
1: absolutely you know when first uh, um you know I, I don't really have any emotional reason that i decided to do healthcare uh it's a it's an ambition reason uh, when i look at various um when i was trying to figure out what to build Um, I I wanted to do something where time would be a superpower. What that means is that if you actually put in time into something, it it would demand that kind of time to actually get things done. That actually makes almost all most entrepreneurs be wary of the space. And healthcare is one of those where if you have the time and the energy and the resources, you you can create an inherent moat in even starting to do something. And so I wanted to do that. Number two, Um, It is my belief, and I still believe this after five years in, that the biggest, most relevant, most interesting technology company of the next generation is going to be in healthcare. Um, And none of the existing companies are even close to scratching the surface. The platform companies of our generation may do a little bit of healthcare, but it's not primary healthcare businesses. Um, So I believe this is going to happen. Whether it's going to happen in five years, 10 years, or 15 years, I don't know. But I wanted to take a shot at being a part of that journey. And then number three, um, it felt like you want to start in a place where the pain was super real and obvious. And I think the one of the biggest public health crisis in this country that few talk about is the absolute burnout that's happening among our clinicians, um, all the way from doctors to nurses. And the fact that at least a part of that can be attributed to super complicated um, interfaces that we have provided them. Uh, and the unbelievable amount of administrative burden and regulatory burden we have also added onto them. So now if you put all of this together, it looks like a problem that's what's being solved. It looks like a place from where you can generate the kind of structured data that can help you think about building the technology company of the future in healthcare space. But now the question is, what's the thesis? How will you attack it? And uh, uh, the thesis that I had was that where... Uh, mobile was in 2003, 2004, around the time I started thinking about uh, getting into mobile apps, um, is where voice is today. That voice is going to be the next generation's user interaction model, user interface. It'll be re- pretty casual for people to talk through voice. And so now, if you put all of these together, voice is the next generation user interface. Doctors are burning out because they have these complex interfaces of the past. Administrative and, and and regulatory burden is really multi-step complicated data retrieval and input that can be eased with voice. Suddenly you have a space in which uh, we can play and hence Suki, which is a digital assistant for doctors.
0: So I, uh, there's a lot in there and I want to come back to the the, the voice piece of it in a second. But before I do that, I, you you mentioned something that i think is important i i, I want to sort of you know stick a stake in the ground at this point and what i heard you say is that the the biggest company of our time or of, of the future let's say doesn't exist it, it's not one of the existing and in healthcare we we know all of these names in fact we know in general in business we've got these names but you're essentially suggesting that the company that is going to be just completely market dominant
1: doesn't even exist today. Is that true? Yes. Um, and and the, the reasoning behind it is pretty logical. If you think about media, you've got Netflix. If you think about search, you've got Google. You think about social networking, you've got Meta. If you think about e commerce, you've got Amazon. But healthcare is even bigger than all of these sectors healthcare is 20% of US GDP, 5% of any country, 5 to 7% of almost every country's GDP. Now, somebody can argue with me that that's actually a lot of small big businesses, but I believe that one could say the same about a lot of the sectors I just mentioned before also. I think the key is to figure out what is the front end or the back end of all of healthcare from a tech perspective. And so far, there's not a uniform company that's pulled that together in a way that they can actually build the rest of the stack. So I think I think there's going to be a really significant company, at least of the order of these other companies, that's going to be built in healthcare. I don't think it's built yet. And I do think that there's a lot of opportunity to start, including the areas that we are looking at, which is the front ends of, of healthcare tech and voice.
0: Yeah, so I I think that's important. And, you know, I I can't, disagree with that although there's a part of me that goes it's really hard to imagine that given the size of some of these organizations and you know i'm sure there are individuals that will listen to this and say well there's no way nobody's ever going to dominate it but ultimately that's the way that commerce works that's the way that economics works and i think importantly to this conversation central to this is part of you know your thinking around voice, which, you know, people see as um, a tool, but you're seeing it in, in what I consider quite a different concept of an interface. And I guess we see a little bit of that in Hollywood, but, you know, that's, that's Hollywood. It doesn't exist, yeah. right? But what you're suggesting is that it does exist and it, it could exist and could contribute to both that large organization, but also importantly, some
1: of the challenges that we have in healthcare. I agree, you know, and super well said. I think that a uh, few different things. First of all, maybe I'll be wrong. You know? <laughs> Never. But, no, I don't believe it for a <laughs> second. <laughs> but but you know, a few years ago somebody said there's no way that we will ever have, uh, you know, anything other than taxicab setups. And transportation is never going to change. And then suddenly in a short time, you suddenly have on-demand cars. A few years ago, people said it's not a, there's no chance that a car can just drive itself. And now you have driverless cars coming over and running. I think that the march of technology is such, Nick, that it's slow and then it's overnight. And you chip away and you chip away and you chip away for decades. And suddenly over a period of a few weeks or months or a year or two, you have the same amount of uh, progress that you have over decades. And that's just the way tech works. There's a tipping point to these things. I guess the point that I'm making is that we're reaching that tipping point in voice. Okay, And voice to me is basically one part of this general area that we call artificial intelligence. Uh, right now, if you look around, large language models have captured everybody's imagination with chat, gpt and things like that. Truth is, large language models have been built for some time now. And uh, there are much more sophisticated large language models in large companies that have not been exposed. The only difference between GPD3 and uh, uh, and ChatGPD and and others is that they have built a consumer product to show what's possible. I believe that the same conversational aspects of answering questions, the ability to understand nuances around what people are saying, having customized ways of having voice signatures per person that you can use to understand who's who, this tech already exists. The only thing is that it's not been pulled together in a constructive way for people. The space in which this is going to show up is not going to be consumer tech, even though consumer tech will be the place where there will be a lot of attention given to it. Probably one of the reasons why you look at Alexa and other things, and they just, even though they have captured a lot of people's imagination, have not been very viable as businesses. And we can talk a little bit more about that in due time. The place where it will show up is a place where the users are intrinsically used to speaking in structured ways, where the ontology of what they say is unique, not small, not big, but unique, where there are already products in place that they have been using in the past, where their workflows are such that they are much more um, repeatable. The same things are done again and again and again. Guess which is one industry where that's true? Healthcare. So in my opinion, one of the foremost places where you're going to start seeing some of this work out is going to be in healthcare. And it's probably why, look at enterprise SaaS, look at manufacturing, look at, you know, there are lots of other industries. Actually, the interest level in using voice solutions is higher in healthcare than almost anywhere else in enterprise settings because of these reasons that I mentioned. Structured, repeatable workflows, people who are used to using voice uh, in the past, uh, and a very savvy, sophisticated user base.
0: So for those of you just joining, I'm Dr. Nick, the incrementalist. Today, I'm talking to Puneet Sony. He's the CEO of Suki. We were just talking about the revolution that's taking place in healthcare or um, I, I, maybe that's the a, a poor choice of words given, I think, you know, as you eloquently describe it, it's slow and then suddenly it's overnight. And I think we're still in that slow section in healthcare. And, you know, specifically around voice, I, I, and, you know, I'm famously quoted... Uh, almost all the time still, um, you know, voice was two years away for the last 10 years, and it was still two years away. I think that's not true. I think we've moved past that. We've seen a number of instances. And, you know, the current trending topic that I see repeatedly is, oh, it's ambient listening. It's, It's solving all the problems. But It's not. It's not being repeatable. It's not a solution that's really sort of delivering. Where are we going to see the value add? And what are the opportunities to really deliver against this promise that's been hanging out there, but it feels like that carrot that the donkey never gets?
1: Yeah, that's a very good point. And you've definitely been at the forefront of looking at these technologies and actually helping adoption of these technologies also. So there are few people in the market who know more about this than you do. Uh, I think that ambient um, is actually, the word itself is a little bit of disservice to voice technology. And here's why. Tech that actually promises way more than it can do actually ends up hindering adoption of that tech. Mm. Okay. Um, you have to be realistic about what can be done and what can't be done. Here's how I look at these technologies. There is the ability to say what you have in your head. People call it dictation. There's the ability to command and control voice interfaces. That's what you do with Alexa, Siri, and things like that. There is the ability to talk and have something actually be able to put it all together in in a more cohesive format. I call that monologue. There is the ability to have a discussion with somebody and have somebody summarize it. I call it dialogue. Dictation, command and control, monologue, dialogue. These are various techniques with which you can automate interactions. A better word to use for this space is automate, not ambient. Ambient is just literally one of the things that we do which falls somewhere between a monologue and a dialogue. The reason this matters is that when we confuse one particular feature of voice interaction with the entire future of voice interaction, we create misplaced expectations we know that there is a bunch of companies who actually say they have ambient solutions truth is they actually do have models that allow us to summarize something but at the end of the day that accuracy and comprehensive that accuracy that that uh, healthcare demands requires them to actually add humans to the system to make sure everything is perfect and and dialed in as soon as you add humans to the system it's no longer a pure software product As soon as you add humans to the system, it's a much more highly-priced product, $2,000 to $3,000, at which point you do not get the adoption you need because you're talking to low-margin health systems to generate the kind of data that will allow you to build the machine learning models to actually move voice interface forward. So this is a vicious cycle in which we're getting caught up where people are expecting things that tech can't do, where people are building things that actually cannot break out into a pure tech setup. And we are focusing on one feature area when we should be thinking about a whole plethora of voice interaction models so let me propose a slightly different way of thinking about it what if what if you actually had uh, an app uh, or an interface that was available to you in your pocket what if sometimes you told it hey remember to just uh, you know, put in this particular aspect, that this was a 27-year-old who had this particular issue, and I just want to make sure that I plan for this? What if sometimes you could say, hey, just insert my typical surgical consent and make this one change? What if sometimes you could say, I'm just going to go in case presentation mode to you and tell you, here are the five things I've noticed, and you, I need you to construct a note from it. And what if sometimes you can say, take this conversion, summarize it, and put it in an editor for me so I can actually change it according to what I think is the real thing. These are all interfaces that we should provide access to doctors in a way that's cognitively easy for them. Mm. And if you can do that, then you have built, in my opinion, the voice layer of the future. Thinking only one of this will solve it, or one is the panacea for everything we do, I think is a recipe for low adoption, super high cost, and the same vicious cycle that we have seen and and voice will always be two years away from being time. <laughs> so so yes it will happen but but this problem is equal parts artificial intelligence as much as product how do you build the right product and give it to the user
0: yeah i i, I think you know important points buried uh in in that sort of description which was you, you know very helpful for sort of understanding, especially for those that sit outside this, that over-promise under-delivering, I think, has been a, an ongoing issue and challenge, continues to be, not exclusively to voice, to be clear, but you know, certainly one that I think we're challenged with. And uh, sadly, it impacts us negatively downstream. Um, we' we're, we're doing better at this point we've got better opportunities, better technology as you think about the rollout of this and you know you cited an example perhaps as a product it's on my phone it sort of brings up one of the constant pushbacks I get great it's somewhere else. How is that integrated because In healthcare, you know, and I'll quote an old radiologist friend of mine, if it costs me one nanosecond more, I ain't going to use it. And if going somewhere else is that cost, it's a problem. How do we address that?
1: Yeah. You know, it's interesting, uh, Dr. Nick, I don't know if you remember, but when I started this company about five years ago, I think in the first or second year, I had a conversation with you. And I still, one thing that stuck in my head in that conversation was you said it repeatedly. You said, "Remember, healthcare tech is replete with corpses of companies that basically keep promising shit. Like they <laughs> promise stuff, and like it does never gets there." And I, and and you said it probably at that point as a warning and maybe as a suggestion that if you're going to do something, then make sure that it's real, because nine out of ten times it's very hard to actually make things reality here. I'll tell you why the reality is hard. It's hard not because the AI technologies haven't gotten to this place or you can't build beautiful user interfaces. It's hard because you have to make it work with the rest of the healthcare ecosystem, specifically the EHRs. And if you can't actually put the data into the right places relatively automatically, you're actually creating more work for people, not less work. Which means that even though it looks like a really sexy product, it's not going to actually be real. And so, The way I look at this is the following. I think first of all, the plumbing of healthcare tech products is more important than the actual core AI. You should build the plumbing and make sure it works. Then the AI will obviously it will build itself because you will get the right data and be able to do things. Number two, I do not think our EHRs and with all due respect to all the major EHRs are good enough yet to be able to embed this kind of AI technologies and techniques inside them and have people use voice interfaces and have these, these, these UIs move forward. So the key is that you provide the control over the UI, which means you have to have your own apps. But then you have to still put the data in a structured format in the system of record. If you can do those two things, build really beautiful, gorgeous, straightforward user interfaces, put data in the right places, and make sure that you promise them only what you can really deliver from pure software, you have a shot—not an easy shot by any means—but you have a shot, and I believe that those are the things we have to keep in mind if you're going to build something in voice and healthcare tech.
0: Yeah, I, I think great points there. Um, you, you know, we've we, we've sort of challenged that infrastructure. Um, you, you know, the electronic medical record, which you know, I've also been known to hold up my hand and you know claim a little bit of responsibility and not in a good way for actually foisting this on my colleagues and you know we failed miserably in the implementation of that because what we did was we took what we already did on paper and just turned it into technology which was just woefully inappropriate and of course we're paying for that now and trying to sort of retrofit as you think about the future, you're obviously, I mean, it's clear. There's clear opportunity, clear potential. Not an easy path. Um, I think we've got better interoperability. How do you see this all playing out? Where is the sort of pathway? And think about it from, you know, the small steps that people can take. How do they get to this point and reduce that burnout? What are the opportunities here?
1: Yeah, no. It's a really good question. And I will say it's not easy. Uh, I definitely had a really jet black beard when I started this company. And now five years in, you know, I'm graying like most presidents do, unfortunately not succeeding like any of them. Uh, but uh, the, the there is a path. And, you know, now I have to give it, put it with a pinch of salt. Everybody thinks their car is the best. So, you know, obviously, uh, you know, the way I have actually built Suki out might look like, in my opinion, the best, but there are many multiple ways to actually do this. Path is to one, always build at the at the cutting edge of technology, but not more than that. Path two, pa- the path is also do not actually build tech that actually uses humans and hardware, because in healthcare, especially in current phase, it's impo- impossible to scale it. And the problem is a scale problem. Building solutions that work for 10 orthopedics people somewhere is okay, but it's a scale problem we have. Part three, actually think about primary care. Uh, Make sure that primary care physicians are taken care of. They're 50% of our healthcare system. And if you can actually solve for primary care, you will probably find you can solve for higher end uh, specialties anyways. More importantly, as you actually build the core technology, pick a workflow end-to-end. So for example, if you're going to build something that involves node creation, remember, that people create notes during the visit, they create after it, they create half of it during, they sometimes create half in the end. You have to think about a product that's flexible enough that it can work for everything and it's still a product. And finally, more important than all the AI you can build, make sure you nail the plumbing, compliance, HIPAA, SOC 2, getting privacy, multi-tenancy, putting us infrastructure in place that can actually interoperate with EHRs. And by the way, if you push the EHRs, they help. So it's not like they don't help, it's just that they're sick and tired of the number of companies who come to them who don't have a good solution, who push them. So I think it's possible, a company can, many companies can be built in this space, but you just have to start from first principles of care for the clinician, care for what the real problems administrators have, Focus on the EHR integration, then start building the product.
0: I think perfect summarization, excellent points. Unfortunately, as we do each and every week, we've run out of time. So it just remains for me to thank you, Puneet, for joining me. Thanks for joining me.
1: Thank you. As always, You know, if I start talking to you, we could talk for hours. So thank you. And thanks for all the support and advice over time. Doctor. Very useful.
0: Thanks for joining me today. Do you have any better ideas or have you found a small incremental change that's brought about a big improvement in your world? Let's continue the conversation on our hashtag, The Incrementalist, or share with me at DrNick1 on Twitter. You can find more information about the show on our program page at healthcarenowradio.com. And tune in next time to hear my discussions with leaders and innovators from around the globe who've revolutionized their space by using small incremental improvements to achieve their moonshot. I'm Dr. Nick, the incrementalist, and I'm starting a revolution through evolution.